Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. The show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace professional mental health care. Here's your host, Christina Orlova. All right, guys, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. Today, I have with me a special guest and actually a very unique guest because he comes to us from Belfast. This is Paul McCarroll. He is an OCD and anxiety specialist and therapist and mental health trainer from Belfast, Ireland. And he's somebody who also struggles greatly with OCD. And his story is actually quite unique. And he now actually works in the mental health as a mental health trainer in the hospital in which he was once a patient, which I think is actually really pretty cool. Um, and he uses his story to inspire hope and reaffirm recovery that it's possible and help clients to stop struggling and start living, which is just so, so important. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, I, I do have to say I love meeting um, other providers and therapists in other places because I, I don't know that many folks internationally. So this is actually really cool um, for me to meet you and to know this. Um, so you know, as every episode, as everybody knows, um, I like to kind of dive right in and ask a couple of questions and, and get your perspective on it. So um, I think one of the questions that I want to discuss with you is, and I think this comes up for people a lot, when recovery might become compulsive or you might use it as a, as a compulsion um, to try to ensure that you're recovering. If you can tell us a little bit about that, like what, 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 what might that mean? And people typically ask, like, what do I do if that happens? If, if you maybe have a tip. Yeah, and that's, and that's a great question. I think that um, generally in my experience, both personally and professionally, and maybe it's the same for yourself, that recovery isn't a linear process. You know, it's not just you, you start here and you go on your recovery journey within six months that you're better and you're well. There, there's a lot of ups and downs. And because of that, I think at times it can lead to, oh, am I doing this therapy right? What am I doing wrong? You know, let's look up Google for another article. Let's join another support group. Let's bring my you know, therapist for an extra session. And I think all these things are well-intentioned and coming from a good and healthy place, but it can nearly become a, a compulsive ritual in and of itself, this idea that we're always looking for the magic bullet, the magic cure. Um, in my experience, you know, OCD is an awful lot about, you know, how can we get the place where we can, spend less time in our heads, less time struggling and more time doing what's important to us. And that is a process, but it's a process which is a lot more important, a lot more healthy than getting into these compulsive rituals of trying to find the unique answer, the right answer to sort of, you know, get rid of this OCD forever. Yeah, that's a great answer, actually. And I think you're, you're hitting it exactly right. I, th I think sometimes we forget and, and folks with OCD, I definitely say myself included, yeah. Um, for a second kind of thing like there's there must be some magic quick response and there's something out there that maybe I'm missing and so you can kind of get caught up in that wave again so I love that you mentioned that yeah um, another question that I have is that you know oftentimes I think we may or may not talk about stress and kind of how stress plays into your OCD mm -hmm. um, or when you're feeling really exhausted by OCD right and so how would somebody manage that or how would somebody kind of what, what, what can you tell us a little bit about just understanding how stress impacts your OCD? And then if you're actually really tired just from your OCD, like how, how would you work with that? 
Great question. Kind of two questions in there, sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. Um, and I suppose that the first thing that comes to mind, you know, I would often talk about with clients, you know, sometimes before even dissecting into sort of therapeutic work, you know, things that I call the three pillars, things like nutrition, exercise, sleep, what are those things like? And most of us, if we're being completely honest and transparent, you know, maybe our sleep isn't great, or maybe we're, you know, especially it's been the holiday period, maybe we've overindulged, or maybe we aren't getting our trainers on and getting out for a walk or whatever, that actually sometimes when those things are awry, when we're overtired, overstressed, it does exacerbate and make OCD symptoms worse. I know also for me that I have a, a young two-year-old son um, who at times doesn't sleep well, uh, <laughs> And I have definitely found at times when that is becoming a regular occurrence, it can impact on your mood. It can impact on the frequency of, of intrusive thoughts and, and uh, increase the frequency of wanting to indulge in rituals and urges. So it's, I think for me, it's about recognizing that stress and exhaustion and overtiredness and sometimes just being too busy and having too much on in your life can be, you know, detrimental. So it's about, I suppose, self-care is a big thing, is what I would say. And self-care isn't selfish. I know that, you know, where I'm from here in Ireland and in the UK as well, you know, where almost self-care is seen as a selfish act. And it's sort of seen as something which, you know, you should do later and put others first. But I'm always reminded of if you're on a flight and you hit turbulence, you're always told, put your own oxygen mask on first um, before you put it on somebody else. So probably to do it around in a bit of a circle there, but it's about recognizing the importance of self-care, recognizing that, as you said, there's an undoubted link that when you are exhausted or stressed, OCD symptoms are worse and become more chronic. So it's about how can we relieve that stress and exhaustion a little yeah, I, th I think that's great, and I, I love that. You know, it's it's a it, it's a straightforward, simple analogy, but it's just such a great reminder. And I often tell folks myself, like, come back to basics because basics work, right? If, if you haven't mastered the basics, then how can you be thinking about jumping to something else? Like, master the basics first, and, and it takes time to master it because it's not it's not as simple as you think. And that's a great example, right? Like, exactly right on the airplane. Do you go tend to somebody else? No, you have to tend to yourself. So you can tend to somebody, right? Like I have to have a shirt I can wear so I can show up and be here. I have the food I can eat so I can show up and take care of you. So helping that reframe and that actually spurs another question that I'm going to throw in there, which is I think folks listening. And I think that oftentimes we would hear terms like self-care, but I think that sometimes people get a little stuck and well, what can that actually look like? Like, like I get the concept of what that means, but what would that actually look like? How, how, how do you expect me to do it if I'm so exhausted from my OCD? Like, how am I supposed to get better sleep? What would you, yeah. what would you say about that? Another great question. And it's part of the, the, I sort of wear two hats. I am a therapist and coach, but also, as you mentioned at the, at the beginning, a, a trainer in a hospital where I was once a patient and Part of the courses that we offer there and, and some of the topics that I'll talk about um, with clients also is that self-care doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It doesn't have to cost an awful lot of money. It doesn't have to, you know, you have to go and find a, a weekend and go and spend lots of money on a glamorous retreat. Of course, those things are nice. And of course, those things, if we could do them more often are great. But it's about what small things can we put into our everyday life? You know, it could be, you know, can you go to bed half hour earlier and maybe 
that book that's been sitting on your bedside table for the past six months? Can you actually, you know what, I'm going to maybe read that. Or actually, can I, you know, if I haven't been doing any exercise at all, maybe the, the next time I'm going to get my groceries, can I park the car slightly further away? So maybe I'm going to get a bit of exercise and going to and, and back from the store. But also when it comes to, I suppose, dealing with the, the intrusive nature of thoughts, and I think for a lot of us, you know, when that gets incessant, when that gets very loud, when it feels like it's just never ending. You know, for me, what's very useful is this idea of mindfulness and meditation. You know, this day of slowing down, trying to get a bit of distance from our think, trying to be a bit more present. You know, the meditation teacher, Corey Mascara, talks an awful lot about the example, what if versus what is. So, you know, a lot of the time we're in that what if mind. What if this happens? What if this goes wrong? You know, if I don't touch this door handle a certain amount of times, something's going to bad. It's going to happen to my family member. You know, if if I, you know, I'm left alone with a knife, I'm going to harm somebody. You know, that's all, while very scary, while very present, while very relevant, it's also jumping to the future. You know, and Corey were talking an awful lot about, okay, bring ourselves back to the present. What is actually going on? If you feel your feet against the floor, you know, notice your surroundings and maybe things mightn't be great, but generally what you'll find is that things aren't as bad as maybe what the, the monkey mind is, is saying sometimes. So um, I think self-care encompasses a lot, but it's recognising it can be simple and trying to bring a bit more presence um, in there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, great. And that leads me to my last question. Um, I, I know I'm asking a lot more questions than perhaps I anticipated, but I have one more I want to ask you. Um, you've, you've brought up a couple of topics from mindfulness. You brought up, I think, you know, uh, kind of this, this thing of willingness and having thoughts. That kind of falls in the concept of ACT, acceptance, commitment, therapy, for anybody listening who doesn't quite know what that is. Um, Maybe if you can give us like a, a little bit of an overview, how, how can acceptance commitment therapy, um, as well as of course, exposure response prevention, but how can that process aid in recovery? For me personally, I mean, um, acceptance and commitment therapy has, has been a, a real game changer and also professionally, you know, I suppose just a, probably a, a brief sort of summary or, or an intro in, into what ACT is really about. You know, it's, your CBT is very beneficial. In fact, it's the gold standard in terms of therapy, but where, where ACT can be very useful is, you know, it helps us to, to tune into our values. You know, it's, it, its focus isn't primarily, in fact, it isn't on symptom reduction. It's more about how can we learn to, to live well, even if difficult thoughts and feelings show up. So there's a lot of techniques there around, you know, helping us get a bit of distance from thoughts and feelings, you know, help us move towards those things, which are, Actually, that's that exposure part that are actually scary, but navigated by what's important to us. You know, what's important to me is is making a difference in the lives of others. What's important to me is is raising my son the best way that I can. Um, what's important to me is to try and and, and 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 be healthy. You know, and sometimes my OCD tries to get in the way, but what I can be very helpful at is, you know, almost if you can think of the idea of like a, a radio in the background you know you can actually you know you can be in a restaurant you can be having a meal with a with a friend you know and there can be a radio playing in the background and it's really about this idea that you tune into the radio when it's a good song you tune into your mind when it's a, a helpful thought and otherwise you just let it play while you focus on doing what matters you know and i find a really good analogy in terms of managing ocd that 
none of us really have the power to turn our brains off, to turn these thoughts off, but we do have the power where we put our attention, you know, and act as a therapy and as a way to sort of live our lives. You know, it's not the be all and end all, it's not a panacea, but it's a great um, approach um, to sort of navigate our lives, even if OCD shows up. So I hope that that answers. Yeah, that was great. That was really great. And I, and I love that you are really highlighting, you know, like, yeah, that what, what's actually important to you really becomes front and center uh, yeah. versus being in your thoughts, which then means you're not in the experience. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that just to add, I mean, that's a very natural phenomenon. You know, as I would say, you know, our brain is like a double-edged sword. You know, on the one hand, there'd be no such thing as Zoom or books or the Eiffel Tower or works of art if we didn't have this amazing creative brain. But sometimes it's also very quick to say, you know, what's out, this is going to happen or, you know, an OCD, some sort of intrusive thought shows up that these sort of helpful, unhelpful thoughts, sorry, can show up. And it's about, you know, where ACT is very helpful is helping us to see, right, we don't always have to follow those. We don't always have to be like a puppet on a string and, you know, we don't have to be dictated by that, but we can actually step back, look at what's important to us and try and move in that direction, you know. And it's easier said than done. I know that for me, for maybe some of your listeners are like, oh, well, that's okay for you to say. You know, you aren't struggling with this. But I suppose the the answer I would say to that is to a degree I have been there. You know, I might not have had experienced those the same symptoms as you, but I sort of know what that T-shirt feels like. And I also know that with the right skills, you can move your life in a positive direction. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so last piece is uh, what's uh, maybe something like a message of hope and inspiration you'd like to leave us with? I suppose that recovery is possible. Um, something which I, I intend to do in, in, in the near future is that to work on, on writing a book about my own recovery journey, not in some sort of conceited, big-headed way, but to help people to see that recovery is possible. I mean, 15 16 years ago, I spent eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital with severe chronic OCD and depression. I'm sure a lot of people then wouldn't think I'd be where I am today. But with the right support, with therapy, with medication, with my own education journey, and with that sense of always having, even when things, I was always loved the quote, the night is darkest just before the dawn. Yeah. You know, and even in my darkest moment, there was something within me which sort of said, you know what, hold on, things can and will get better, that, you know, the, the Buddhist phenomenon of, of impermanence, this too shall pass, you know, so whether you're someone who is in a, in a really dark place or whether you're someone who's just OCD, is just a, a minor nuisance to you, it's recognising that we can get to a place where we can, you know, move towards the things that are important to us. Yeah. And almost it can be like, we might have to bring some of this stuff with us for a while, you know, we might have to bring the intrusive thoughts or the difficult urges or the anxiety. But over time, you know, it starts to take a back seat and you begin to, to be the real driver of your life. So um, hope is there and recovery is possible. Beautiful. Um, and lastly, how can people find you if they'd like to reach out to you? So my website is www.befreefromocd.com. I'm also very active on social media. Um, my handle on Instagram is at BeFreeFromOCD and also the same um, on Facebook. Awesome. And of course, I'll include all of this in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest with me today. 
Thank you. Lovely. Lovely to see you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. To get additional support with OCD and have your personal questions answered, whether you are newly diagnosed, got through treatment and need help maintaining progress, or you can't afford treatment, visit Christina's on-demand Mastering OCD membership at masteringocd.com.